Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. Hey, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. I'm excited to share our guests with our listeners today. This was such a fun conversation. We want to introduce Randall Park and Evan Goldberg, who are real-life food friends. Our listeners may know Randall Park from TV shows like Fresh Off the Boat and Veep and movies like The Interview and Neighbors. Randall is also a husband, a father, a kimchi maker, and a food friend. We're also talking to Evan Goldberg, who's a writer, director, producer, known for Superbad, Knocked Up, Pineapple Express, and Sausage Party, among others. Also a husband, father, kimchi obsessive, and food friend. And broth obsessive, I learned. Oh, yes. And broth. Yes. We won't we won't get give away too many details. It was so cool. Also, like I know you and Evan have been real life food friends, but what was yes. so special for me because we've never had this kind of interview with just two straight up real life food friends like you and I are. This is a pair of people who share a bond through food. And yes. it not only warmed my heart, it made me so grateful for our food friendship. It's like yes. seeing theirs also reflected like how cool it is to have these kinds of bonds, right? Yeah. And how they sort of support each other and share. Again, you'll hear it all in the in the episode, but how they've worked together to, you know, make kimchi together and they share this bond with each other, which is very similar to ours. So it's just, it is lovely to talk to another pair of real life food friends. And they were just so kind and funny. This was really, really a delight. Yeah. I It's a delight and we're excited to introduce them to everyone in, in our community. Yeah. So stay tuned and here are Randall Park and Evan Goldberg and me and Carrie. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. Today, we are here to talk about kimchi. And the reason we decided to record this episode is because, Evan, you pitched me this idea. I love kimchi. I love you. I love Randall. (laughs) I don't know you that well yet, Sonia. (laughs) The feeling is mutual. I actually think that's a great place to start. Can you Tell me, Evan and Randall, how you first met and how you became friends. Uh, you know, I was trying. I was thinking of that. I was. I was trying to remember exactly how we first met, and I, I think it was pre-interview, right? Yeah, I don't remember how we met. I have no clue. The, the interview was such a debacle that it's like scrambled my brain of like how I met anyone. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think it. Was, it might have been on the set of Neighbors. It might have been. Oh, that's probably it. That's probably it. It's probably yeah. On the set. But just from from being around. Yeah, from being around. Just around each other. I think like the really relevant question here is how did you guys become food friends? Because, you know, Evan and I, you know, we've known each other for a very long time. We are good food friends. Obviously, Sonia and I are food friends. Where did you start to connect about food? Correct me if I'm wrong, Randall. The novelty of a white Canadian guy loving kimchi. is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That came up uh, and it fascinated me. Uh, just as a Korean, knowing someone who was so passionate about kimchi, uh, who wasn't Korean, was just fascinating to me. And then, and then to learn that Evan like made it and was obsessed with making it, and and I and I didn't know how to make it, and I actually uh, kind of embarrassingly learned from Evan Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> 
I had no idea. So Evan, you had a history of making kimchi, loving kimchi. And can you walk us through a little bit of your process? And now, Randall, is it safe to say you make it this way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I make it the Evan Goldberg way. <laughs> like all this sounds like trendy LA stuff, but uh, I it, it is not and predates me ever being in America. I've always been obsessed with broth kimchi and sauerkraut and i love those very much what i love about kimchi the most is you can eat an infinite amount of it and it's never too much like you cannot eat too much it's just literally impossible um and so ever since i was young i've drank a lot of broth ate a lot of kimchi i'm from vancouver canada just like a massive asian population my elementary school in my grade there was like 50 of us and three of us were not asian and there was a lot of korean kids so i just had a lot of kimchi i go out to korean restaurants with my parents and I just always loved it. I just love like strong flavors. I think I have kind of a weak sense of smell. So I like the, which I assume means my taste buds are not the best. And I just love strong flavors and I love spicy stuff. And I have a friend named Christian Lander, who's another fellow Canadian. And I had the same experience where I was like, you make your own kimchi. And he's, he's, he's one of those guys who like goes from thing to thing to thing. Right now he's making pizzas with curry as the base. But he had a big kimchi run, and, and when he uh, let me try his kimchi, I realized it was better than any kimchi I'd ever had, and it dawned on me that homemade kimchi obviously must be way better than store-bought kimchi. And I made a batch, and it was better than any store-bought stuff I ever had, and then I just kind of started to get obsessed, and I had different batches. I'd make white kimchi, I'd make one with only carrots in it, and, and, and so on and so on, and I just kept iterating, and I just became obsessed with how I could make like a huge batch and make 10 different things from that batch and then like test it and then i had like a notebook and i started jotting down notes on like which batch did what uh yeah and that's kind of how i got into it did you then go to randall's house and teach him like how did the i mean randall you were like interested when you yeah learned this but yeah i was like oh, oh you know i should learn how to make this because you know for the same reasons i i grew up on it i've always loved kimchi it's just you know any korean household it's it's you know you you, you grow up with it I never learned how to make it from my family or, you know, but, uh, but here is this friend who was obsessed with it. And uh, so I, I, I don't remember how it came about, but I do remember Evan being like, okay, we got to get, we got to get the supplies. And he took me to uh, Kim's Hardware, which is a, uh, a store in Koreatown. It's the most amazing store. And I actually had, you know, I, I remember going to that store numerous times for different things, but never to buy like supplies to make kimchi. And Evan just kind of took me through there and was like, okay, we got to get this, we got to get this, we got to get in and bought all these kind of all the, all the tools. When we were leaving Kim's Hardware, I, I remember like one of your fans saw you with all this kimchi stuff. And they were like, this can't be happening. <laughs> <laughs> the most Korean celebrity moment in the history. Of <laughs> Can you get more specific? What did you, what do you get at Kim's Hardware? Like, and are, I imagine there's other places like H Mart's with home goods where you might be able to get some of this stuff, but what is the, what's the gear that you need to make kimchi? Oh gosh, it's, it's a lot of stuff, but one of the things was an actual, like, uh, well, they, they used to, you know, you used to ferment them in these kind of big stone pots, you know, or that's like the traditional way, these like big stone Are you referring to ongi? Okay. <laughs> All right. Evan speaks fluent Korean, by the way, and he's teaching me that too. He's wearing a hanbok right now, which is traditional Korean. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but they, they have these kind of newer versions of, of the ongi. 
and uh, <laughs> and uh, like a kind of a big plastic kind of bucket that you take out all the air that's trapped in there and kind of so it becomes kind of airtight. So I remember buying that. We might have bought some gloves. I don't I don't remember what else we got. Oh, there. I got the whole I got the whole list in front of me. What else was there? We were at Kim's Hardware at two nine four zero West Olympic Boulevard. Yeah. <laughs> the other like a uh, uh, very very important ingredient is the salted shrimp and that's yes 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 i've tried with the ongi and the plastic jug and the plastic jug unfortunately works way better than the traditional way but uh the salted shrimp is the one thing that it it, like just never tastes right without it it's like the most key thing and then the other thing is uh what is it called uh mochiko sweet rice flour yeah that's right key key ingredient and the uh gochugaru which is the the red pepper flakes which is like uh in a lot of korean food it's like so much korean food is red and it's because of these these red peppers that are a big staple in, in in the culture so the plastic works better for fermenting the kimchi than the can you back up and explain that? It's just, if you put it in the ongi, you put the kimchi in the pot, you put a very large cabbage leaf on top with a rock to like press it down. But when you think about it, it makes a lot more sense that it would just work better with like a plastic lid that's got a vacuum seal around the side with a little hole and you can like literally push every bit of air out. So just a little bit. So it makes the fermentation process work better. And it bothers me. I want the ongi to be, be what I use. It's cooler, but, and also smell can escape the ongi a little and somewhere in my house, I'm not burying it in my backyard. I wanted to, but it's it, temperately, it makes no sense, I found out. <laughs> in the Korean climate, you should bury it in your yard. In California, there's utterly no need for that. Yeah. Well, I think like my next question is, how often are you making kimchi? Randall, do you like make it all the time? I, I probably make it every few months. And, oh, wow. And- and but the batch will last me like a month or so and or maybe less because because I'm at the point now where I'm like giving it away like I'm, I'm I, I buy like little jars I think that's something else Evan taught me just like putting it you know in jars giving them to friends and so I'm kind of become this go-to guy for like authentic Korean kimchi <laughs> that's taught by a Canadian Jewish <laughs> Yeah, I, I am elderly Korean approved. We have a, a, a friend named Joe Drake and his wife is Korean. And he came to a kimchi making party that we yeah. had. And he has a mother-in-law who is very old and very Korean. And he had me over to his house just to see if she would like give me the thumbs up or not. And she had like a tasting and she gave me some pretty harsh criticism, but gave me the thumbs up. What was her criticism? She essentially said any white person making kimchi, I overdid it and needed to be a little more subtle in some of the flavors. And I tried to- <laughs> explain that like I don't have a great sense of smell or taste and I really like strong flavors but she said there's a right way and a wrong way I I might have told you Evan but my mom loves your kimchi or our kimchi it's or your kimchi it. now yeah so Randall your mom approves of the oh kimchi. yeah when you make yours and you share do you share with her yeah or does she make her own no she doesn't make her own oh okay she doesn't make her own and she's never made her own oh oh now you're outing your mom about not making <laughs> <laughs> but what does she think that a Canadian Jewish person taught her son how to make kimchi? Or did you not tell her? Oh, I didn't tell her. I didn't. <laughs> no, I told her. I told her. And she and she was skeptical because of it, you know, at first. And then she was like, this is really good. Wow. Uh, she was very impressed by Evan. Can you guys tell us just the nuts and bolts of this? What goes in? Okay, we know the shrimp is important, the uh, dried shrimp and the, the mochiko, the uh, rice 
flour, yeah. right? It's not, it's not a dried shrimp. It's like a heavily salted kind of. Oh. It's the grossest version of shrimp you can picture. It's a <laughs> plastic tub filled with 10,000 teeny tiny little shrimp yeah. in a mushy liquid. Yeah, they're like sea monkeys. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> it probably are sea monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> it's called seojet. I think, I think people also use oysters, right, Evan? They use like different things. It's, I've it, heard of oysters. I've never tried it. But it's key to the kind of fermentation process. I can't. I couldn't say why, because like the you get the fish sauce in there often, yeah. and you have you add salt. I don't get why, but like every time I've tried it without the salted shrimp, it's just a mediocre batch. Yeah, and then you well, you start with the cabbage, the Napa cabbage. That's what it is, and then I, I don't know if I, if I've evolved it from what what you taught me, Evan. But you take the Napa cabbage, you you take salted water, and you immerse the cabbage in this salted water, and you just kind of let it sit and cook in that salted water for a few out several hours, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you if you cut it short, it kind of ruins the whole dish. It's like yeah. an awkward important step. The cabbage kind of kind of softens and shrinkens. And I made the mistake of not rinsing the cabbage because it's super salty, but you, you rinse it. You rinse the salt water out. Uh, and also uh, another thing I use uh, or I like to use is this Korean radish called mu. Are those the radish. big like daikons? Yeah, yeah, the daikons. That, yeah. That's my favorite part of the whole. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, and, and then you chop up green onion, put that in there. But, but after you salt the cabbage, then you kind of prepare the sauce separately. And that's what you're going to mix it all up with. Okay, so yeah, the sauce is, I believe, onion, green onion, ginger, garlic, the red chili, unless yeah. you're making white kimchi, which we'll get to. Oh, right, um, right. And then you can put sugar in or pear or like a very sugary uh, fruit. Yeah. I like to do the pear. Fish sauce and salt, and you blend it all up. But there's one thing, uh, the garlic you are not supposed to puree. The garlic you want to chop and keep it like a little chunkier than your instincts might be. Like still finely cut, but like a centimeter by a centimeter or less. But you don't want to mince it. I don't know why. It just doesn't taste right without it. So you blend all that and then you rub it like between the leaves. Mm-hmm. And you like get in between every layer. Oh, oh and, and you cut the cabbage into quarters and then you go. Yeah, yeah. Do you, you wear gloves when you rub the... I learned the hard way. Yes, you wear yeah. I touched my eyes once and it was a terrible experience. <laughs> Oh, God. And it stays on for so long. The stingy, the spiciness. I like was like, I can't touch my kids. I can't touch anyone. It was like five times and still I touched my eye. And it was- Gloves are a must. Gloves are a must. Okay. The depth of the nuance of all of that, like to, to learn that you can't puree the garlic, that it has to be specifically the shrimp, the plastic versus the ongi. It's such an art form. And you're right. I've had such a range of kimchi in my life. I mean, I love all of it. I'm not mad at mediocre kimchi either. But there is when you have incredible kimchi, it's so much better than something that's mediocre. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got into making it and uh, made it for a long time when I, like, I got two young kids and I have not been staying on my game lately and I've been having to buy store-bought and it's just so much worse. There's few things that, like, the gap between store-bought and homemade I find as notable as this. I don't, it, there's just, like, something missing. Maybe yeah. they don't put the salted shrimp in. Yeah, it really, really makes a difference making it and, and even with, like, my family and my wife, who's Korean. I mean, everybody prefers the homemade way over the store-bought. Although Although I did, there is this restaurant that I order from. I, I think they make their own kimchi, or it tastes like they make their own, and it's really good. And that's the closest I've ever gotten. Remember what it's called? It's called ABC Koreans. It's somewhere in the valley, but it's pretty damn good. Well, I remember when you were describing like the rubbing of the leaves. Sonia took me to a grocery store. Um, 
Sonia took me to a market where they make this like fresh version of kimchi. And there were two women that were kind of working in the produce section. They have a whole space to their themselves and they were wearing gloves and they were doing like the fresh version. And it's like infinitely more crunchy. It's not marinated as long, so it doesn't break down as much. But I can't remember where that- So my, my friend June lives in LA and grew up in LA. Took me, he was like the best place for like fresh kimchi, which is different than obviously fermented. Is this one, I think it's an H Mart, but it's a specific H Mart. It's in K-Town, in Koreatown in LA. And he was like, go there and get specifically these kinds of kimchi. They're making cucumber and napa and daikon and green chives and all the different versions in between. I forget what else. But yeah, and I brought Carrie there because I couldn't get over how good it was fresh because I'd only ever had like long fermented kimchi. But yeah, to see them physically be rubbing, I don't know, there's just something. You immediately know it's going to taste good. Yeah. It's, a labor of, it's a labor of love. And you really get to know you're like, I, I assume like raising a cow and then uh, serving it as food would probably be more intimate, but you get pretty intimate with the kimchi. Rubbing every leaf, <laughs> every ingredient in there. To the fresher kimchi, the less fermented, uh, when I went to my friend Joe's house for the kimchi off with his mother-in-law, that's what she made. And I'd never had it quite like that. And she was saying like, this is actually more common at times in Korea than the other type to having your own home because they because the turnaround of kimchi is so fast in the household. Kimchi off? Can you explain that? It, oh, I went to taste hers or, and she was there to judge mine. Was there an unofficial competition that you hosted or that was hosted oh, no. by someone? I've had two kimchi parties, so to speak, where I invited everyone who is Korean, essentially, or obsessed with kimchi that I knew. And it was fun because it's like 10, like, utterly random strangers. Joe, Joe was there, Eric Byers, uh, you know, Carrie, like, just like, <laughs> a weird mishmash of people that was super fun. And then, and then I've been to Joe's house. His mother-in-law and I each served several kimchis to each other. Evan, did you have any notes for Joe's mother-in-law? <laughs> I, I wouldn't care. Though the only thing uh, I did learn from her about that type of kimchi, but also she told me, I saw her, maybe I'm going to say this wrong, Randall, dimche fridge, hmm. like the kimchi fridges. They have yeah, like yeah, yeah. standalone kimchi fridges, which yep. my wife will not let me buy. That uh, that that is just for kimchi with like compartments for like different kimchis at different temperatures, and that's the dream. That's my forty fifth birthday. <laughs> Evan, I guess both of you, since you both make kimchi at home, I'm curious, where do you store it? Does it have to be stored in the fridge, or does it? You put it in a your laundry room, or where does it go? Definitely not your laundry. Room. <laughs> uh, when you when we use uh, the plastic containers, uh, the fermentation process. So essentially. Once you put it in the fridge, you like interrupt the process. So the longer you leave it not in the fridge, the more powerful it becomes. So I would just like put it in a cabinet in the kitchen, like a lower level cabinet, because you want it to be as cool as possible in the dark, not near any light. And then what I would do is I would take some out at three days, some out at two days, some out at five days, you know, and mix it up and then mark them so I know which one's which. And then they have different flavor profiles wow. and you put it in the fridge and it still keeps fermenting, but it massively slows down where it's good for like a year, but hypothetically it's good forever. It just starts to taste stronger and stronger. And at a certain point, the human palate can only handle something. Yeah. I, I keep mine in the, in the garage. There's like <laughs> a, a little dark corner in the garage. I'll just put it in there and then, but I'll, I'll take some and I'll actually put it in a jar and put it in the fridge because my wife really likes it to kind of, less fermented so that'll go in the fridge and then the rest the big main batch will go in the garage and sit there for weeks so once you have all this kimchi made are you guys aside from eating it just as like a side and just regularly is there anything you guys like to cook with it yeah uh we'll make stews like kimchi stews kimchi fried rice i mean we'll, we'll do everything with it uh, i like eggs with kimchi 
that's a big winner. The number one for me is I just get bone broth, throw the kimchi in and add some like glass noodles or something like that. Mm -hmm. Cut up some kind of meat, toss it in and it's just so good. Throw it into any soup and it just makes it fantastic. That sounds so yummy. Do your kids eat kimchi? Do both of your kids? No. Oh, no, Randall. Yeah, I've done it. I've never been more proud of myself. This is how we come full circle to white kimchi. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if any child can eat red kimchi without uh, freaking out. It's so spicy. I've never seen it. But uh, one of my kids will eat kimchi and it's the white kimchi. And so white kimchi, you just don't put in the red chili powder and then you have to jack up how much ginger's in it. Uh, otherwise it kind of tastes dull. And then you want to add carrot, extra carrot to add sweetness. Again, otherwise it'll be dull. But white kimchi is not spicy at all. And it's like sweet and refreshing. And and one of my kids loves it and he'll eat it out of a bowl. And I like slow plated. I put like one little piece and then two little pieces. And like every now and then he'll ask for it. And it makes me so happy because I mean, I don't think we've said it yet, but it's unbelievably healthy. It is so oh, good. Yeah. For Kimchi in general, right? It's it's like a superfood. I'm one of those people who can't tolerate gluten and stuff like that. And my stomach was like wrecked. And I didn't like do this because I knew. But in hindsight, I like the kimchi probably like fixed my gut. I don't, I don't know a ton about the, the microbiome, but it seems to be all the rage these days it, like i used to have pain in my stomach all the time and eat meals and be like you know how your stomach terribly hurts after every meal and in hindsight the kimchi coincided with that just going away. yeah and that's why we korean people are so strong you know <laughs> so incredibly strong and resilient and invincible <laughs> that's what i've heard <laughs> no but it is true i mean all the fermented things and even from like a jewish background all the krauts and pickles and yeah. like the making the most of what you had and preserving what you had but then it had this added bonus of boosting your immune system and and your gut biome and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day because growing up, our family was obsessed with going to Jewish delis. We'd go to Jewish delis every week. And to this day, it's like I, going to Arts on Ventura Boulevard. <laughs> like, and like, we just ordered from there yesterday. Like, and they would be, they would love pickles and sauerkraut. And I never thought about it growing up, but I kind of understand now. It, the fermented vegetable, is, it's just something that, uh, you know, they're just, drawn to because it's it's in there it's in our culture that we it was just a normal thing for us growing up i also think another thing that's uh linked is a uh, weird seafood things weird weird to the standard american I mean. yeah yeah like jews will eat like all sorts of weird fish out of a can in a jar like my wife is disgusted with the things me and my kids will eat <laughs> old herring and schmaltz herring and like oysters yeah. out of a tin and i love it i love it. good all. stuff I went, I went to a restaurant uh a newest restaurant called uh, salty girl and they oh, have a, yeah yeah i've been there it's great it was it was great and, and I, I didn't have this food, but they have a huge menu of canned fish, which like, I was like, who would like that? Like, what a weird concept. And then I started looking and I was like, oh, this sounds delicious. So good. Do you guys get together and cook together or is kimchi your like food link with each other? We've only gotten together to cook kimchi two or three times together. I think maybe yeah. three times. It takes time. So like, it's a pretty lengthy cooking scenario. It plays out in, in, in a way where you kind of have to like stay on top of it and like get it done. Because every moment you're doing it, you have your hands covered in this uber spicy stuff. So like when you're in it, you're in it so it's like a pretty focused experience it's like developing film it's like uh, you know it's like, very, it's like you do it in solitude in the dark and uh, uh but you know you have to learn from someplace and evan is is my master uh when it comes <laughs> it's just such a sweet friendship it's just nice to bond over something like those one time intensive super specific dish i'm curious if you guys whether you've cooked together or not if there's some particularly memorable meal that you've had together that stands out kimchi or not related i mean we we go to <laughs> we go to genghis cohen a lot with uh, yeah really 
stone lately and it's real. They don't have kimchi. They do have a nice pickle platter. Oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. good. Yeah. Can yeah. you explain what Genghis Cohen is to people who don't live in Los Angeles? Uh, it's it's a Chinese restaurant with like a little music venue on the side. Coming from Vancouver, I always feel like I get it wrong. But to me, it's like, is that what an is this what a New York Chinese restaurant is like? Is that kind of explanation? I mean, I don't think any, none of us on this call are from New York. So I don't know that we can say for sure. But I will also say I love Genghis Cohen. That's where we order Chinese food from in our neighborhood. And they have these really fun mashups, like their egg rolls, you know, can be more traditional, like with cabbage in them. And then they sometimes have Jewish ingredients in them. It's like an interesting mashup that they have going on there. And they're good to the gluten-free people. So um, you guys, you meet together at Genghis Cohen and have dinner together? Yes, with a group of others fairly regularly. Yeah, we were we were bouncing around from restaurant to restaurant. And then we got to Genghis Cohen and we were like, let's just keep going here. And you stopped. You stayed there. Yeah, Chinese food is incredible. And it feels like, uh, well, one more shout out to Genghis Cohen is like, often after a big Chinese meal, you feel unbelievably bad. And that is not the case there. I don't know what they're doing, but whatever ingredient the other guys are using, they're not. And have you, have either of you cooked a meal for the other? I so. I, you know, I don't cook that much, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. I'm not, I'm not a good cook. It's something I want to work on for sure. I like assemble more <laughs> than actually cook. But, but I mean, kimchi is like one of the few things, it's time intensive things that I actually like love doing and and the other nice thing about it is that you cook a meal, you eat the meal, it's gone. Maybe some leftovers, the kimchi, you make a big batch and it just it's the gift that keeps giving. Yeah. Well, speaking of the gift that keeps giving, though, I'm curious, Randall, you mentioned that Evan kind of taught you how to put your kimchi in jars and now you've started to become like a source to people. So yeah. who like gets on your kimchi list? And Sonia doesn't live here, but I do. So <laughs> like, what would it take? <laughs> what is it? What what does it take to get on like the kimchi list? Well, you got to sign up for it you know and it's there's a vetting process okay uh, <laughs> a waiting list yeah no no there's a there's a group of friends who all every time i'll make a batch or maybe every other time i'll make a batch i'll, I'll send them some jars and it comes up in conversation a lot I, for some reason and and as soon as people find out new friends they'll they'll be like oh my god i, I gotta try it so i'll be i'll put them on the list and then uh, i'll send over a jar wow do you ever bring it in place of like a bottle of wine if you're invited somewhere like is it that kind of on occasion i've done that so i feel like for me it's part of my culture it's ironic that i learned again learned to do all this from evan goldberg <laughs> <laughs> and not like my grandma but yeah it kind of connects me to my culture and it feels like uh when i'm giving it away i'm kind of giving a part of myself to people i love making it and i love giving it to friends i mean that's such a thoughtful food gift listen i'm i mean i think a lot of people when you go to someone's house you think like, oh, I want to take some flowers or I want to take a bottle of wine. But those gifts are, that's like really meaningful. I mean, I, I do something similar. I try to make soup and share that with people or granola on occasion. But, you know, I think people always appreciate like that personal gift. Oh, I could go on a whole rant about how much I appreciate what you bring as opposed to what like other people bring wine which is appreciated but it's not the wine i like <laughs> flowers which my wife is always like i like plants but like flowers i gotta deal with thing bad yeah. which thing do i put them in you bring soup we put it in the fridge we eat it it's delicious it's, uh, it's the best gift everyone should they should replace wine and flowers with soup mm. I 
you're speaking my language. I was literally thinking about the other day, like flowers are beautiful, but, and also my cats always try to eat the flowers. So then I have a whole, like, I have to put them on weird shelves. So I'm like, when Carrie comes and when we visit each other, we just bring like suitcases full of food products, both, you know, homemade or jar. I mean, I think we're now in a kind of an unspoken one upping each other. Um, (laughs) Like it's not intentional, certainly, but it's like who can find the most interesting food gift to bring to the other. But yeah, it's a special friendship to bring someone food. Yeah, I feel like kimchi's you know, some people don't like it. And and I totally understand why that would be. But I feel like it's one of those things that if you do like it, it's such a great thing to just be gifted, especially homemade. Yeah, yeah especially homemade. I did receive homemade kimchi from one of my neighbors. Her her mom makes it. And, oh, wow. you know, I, I planted a garden a couple of years ago. And when I went on vacation, I just reached out to her and I just said, like, I'll be gone for a couple of weeks, take whatever you want out of the garden, it would actually be helpful. And so, as a thank you she was like hey my mom just made a batch of kimchi and then I was wait how can I get on like the cycle of this because I think what you guys have both said when you make it it's so good you just kind of go through it and we went through that jar of kimchi in like four days when I uh, these uh, plastic tubs are like maybe six liters or four liters like they're pretty big and when I make it I'll make like four or five of, of these tubs so I just have it for so long like when I make it I have it for three to four months Evan you have this like very scientific approach to the kimchi you've really studied it mastered it is there any other food thing that you've done the same thing with uh broth 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 i've been making broth much 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 longer i actually bought a fridge just for broth (laughs) at one point really Uh, yeah i had a uh in the back house i had my broth fridge which was like utterly filled with 100 jars of broth and i would do turkey and then try turkey and lamb and then do beef and then do beef and lamb and then i did all sorts of mix and matches and i was always getting bones from anyone i could anyone who has like a nice carcass (laughs) thanks it was always a big hit i would take the carcasses home i i love broth and and my favorite use of kimchi is broth and kimchi together Mm -hmm. i always steal the carcasses at thanksgiving evan I'm the one who takes all the carcasses home. I don't go to the same Thanksgiving. (laughs) That was going to be my next question. If you and Carrie are at the same Thanksgiving and she has to wrestle them away from you, but it sounds like that's not an issue. But does that mean you're drinking broth every single day or eating it? I drink broth every day pretty much. I just love it. I've been drinking it since I was a kid just out of like the carton like chicken stock. Like I just, in hindsight, I now understand I just have ADHD and like want to consume things all the time. And that seems to be why I do that. I think I just drink like coffee and broth constantly and I love it. One last final kind of fun question unrelated to kimchi. If you two could throw a dinner party together and invite anyone living or historical, what three people would you invite? And it can be different for each of you. I would just try to get three like really different people. Genghis Khan and like Margaret Thatcher <laughs> and like Jesus. Get like the most disparate group of people and just see what happens. Um, I would want to... Say me. Well, Evan. I, I'd want to invite Evan Goldberg for sure. And and my grandma, who actually hasn't tried neither my nor Evan's kimchi. Where does she live? She's in LA. She's in well, LA. Oh, I think oh. we know what's going to happen now. Yeah. And I think that would be really cool and then so Evan my grandma <laughs> you can stop there that's good and, and, and Barack Obama nice. <laughs> do you think Barack Obama eats kimchi oh I think so I yeah. mean he's from Hawaii he's yeah to run, a, to run the country you need to be yeah, yeah. A, a well-populated microbiome in your gut. I, I'd imagine he's a broth guy as well. Sounds like a dream party. Yeah, broth. I'm most interested in meeting your grandmother, though. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I would love to uh, see what she thinks of Evan's kimchi. Do you think she would? Do you think she'll approve, Randall? Well, my mom approves, but you know, my grandmas—that's the next level. You yeah, know, that's like I've had a grandma approve. I, I would think so. So I hope you guys can definitely get her some, and then will one of you please let us know what the verdict is? Okay. Yes, please report back. Sure, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm fresh out, so I'll have to make a new batch. Evan, I'm raising my hand to come help you next time because I've missed your kimchi parties. I was never able to make it to them. So I'd be happy to come over and assist you with your next batch. Sweet. Do it. All right. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for taking the time <laughs> to share this. It's really it's really nice to hear about how it's bonded you and how you've been able to be a mentor to Randall, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> and Randall, I would love to be added to your list. Okay. You're, you're on it. I don't even have to apply. You're at the top of the list now. Well, thank you. I appreciate it so much. Thank you, guys. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Right on. Thanks, guys. For sure. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Bye.